Welcome to Shift with CJ. I'm your host CJ and together we will explore the areas of health, human performance, biohacking, psychology and much more that will inspire you to become the best version of yourself. Episode of the Shift with CJ podcast and today's podcast is special. Why is it special? Because we've got a live guest in our biohacking studios and today's guest is special. Why? Because she's done a lot of things in her life. Firstly, she is super interested in the world of health, wellness, and fitness. She's a serial entrepreneur who started a lot of studios and is growing her businesses while giving it enough time to. She's a mother. <laughs> that's that's a big responsibility. <laughs> it totally is. And yeah, so please join your hands in welcoming Anjali to the show. Hi, CJ. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. It's a, yeah. The excitement is all mine. And <laughs> we, me and Anjali, we connected over LinkedIn, and I was going through her profile, and I was seeing That's what right. she's doing. We had a small conversation, and I was like, I would love to learn from her because she, her approach to fitness and wellness is a little bit different from what we've been speaking about on the podcast. So on the podcast, you heard us talk about genetics, fitness, strength training. We've got, you know, some neuroscientists have been on board, a lot of these things. But we've never touched on this specific area called Pilates, which for me, Anjali, is fascinating because normally I would go into the podcast like understand knowing a little bit about things. Yeah. But if I had to be honest with you in the audience, I don't know much about this. <laughs> so first, first question is, how did you get to where you are right now? Like, what's your backstory? Well, um, I've always been into fitness and health. Let's, uh, let's address the cliche. I was a chubby kid and, you know, always struggling to kind of look a certain way, be a certain size, always fighting with my genetics, etc. So um, starting with everything from, well, I can't say clean eating. Back in the day, it was dieting. Those were the right words we used when we were kids. So from all the dieting and all the workouts and everything that I did, I stumbled upon Pilates. Um, I want to say it was in my late 30s when that happened. And I started to, I was much more into fitness then. So I understood the importance of a workout like Pilates. And I, I still totally think that strength training and cardiovascular fitness and all of that is great. But incorporating Pilates into my life really, really was a game changer because um, not only is it a resistance training, which still means we do muscle work, but the beauty of Pilates is a combination of building weak muscles, but strength stretching tight muscles. So when we do a lot of strength and, you know, we shorten our muscles, the beauty of Pilates is we're constantly opening our muscles as well. So that, that really was interesting to me. And that's how I stumbled upon it and started to incorporate it into my life. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. You touched on something really interesting, which is personally interesting for me, is that you were a chubby kid. <laughs> yeah. How, how long were you chubby for? Was it like for a few years in your life or have you always been you know, a bit chubby? Like, what's the story there? I mean, um, it it's pretty sad, CJ, when I talk about it now to say it aloud. But I think our generation back in the day, we 
we were um, really shamed for being a certain size. And I think now the beauty of uh, the current generation is really owning on up to who they are, which I think is beautiful. And I experienced that with my daughter. And I love that, that aspect, which surely can talk about that. But when I was growing up, I was really shamed for being chubby. And, um, you know, two sizes too big, maybe, but I was always trying to fit into a certain pair of jeans that were never my size. And I was always embarrassed to eat a certain kind of food that I had to go home and eat secretly. So I've gone through that really tough journey with food. And um, uh, it didn't help that, you know, my parents were also pretty um, focused on me trying to get a certain size more than anything. So there's not a single fat diet I didn't try as a kid. There's not a nutritionist I didn't meet. And, you know, it was a real struggle for me back in the day. But there was a lot of shame involved as well, which was hard. Um, every time I ate, I was ashamed of it. And every time I, you know, fit into a clothes, uh, a pair of jeans that that were small, it felt great. So my relationship with food was terrible. And to say the least, it took a really long time for me to fix that. I mean, it really took forever for me to understand that it's not wrong to eat. It's not wrong to enjoy your food. And there are so many ways to balance it. But, you know, to to understand the idea of having a great relation with food. So that was a really tough but amazing journey for me to learn so much about myself. Well, and, you know, kudos to you to you you. Know, saying that in front of, like, the audience <laughs> and everyone. And it, it really is, you know, it takes a different set of, different kind of mindset when you portray that story because, um, like, we're similar in that part because when I was growing up, I was, you know, I wouldn't call myself obese, but there was a time that my principal called my mother saying that, I think your son cannot, I can see him walking and he's struggling, so you better do something about it. And what did my parents do? The, the time I came home, they were like, oh, by the way, your principal just told us this. But here's the same food that you are eating. Maybe That's more. crazy. That's so yeah. hard for me to understand because our parents were exactly the opposite. And there were yeah. two type of parents back in the day. Mine were constantly trying to starve me. So I was constantly looking for ways to cheat. So I think both of us have gone through a very tough and, oh, my God, you look amazing for, um, you know, that side uh, that, that existed. But I think for both of us, that must have been super, super hard for you as well. Yes, it was. For me, I was, um, and I went that route, okay, I have to take control of my life, so what do I do? I will read every magazine, men's health magazine, which mostly doesn't work, guys. Um, <laughs> and I would try every fat diet. We were talking yeah. offline in the conversation about the watermelon diet. And the yeah. diet. I must admit, I didn't try those, but I tried most of the other ones. You oh, know, gosh. Uh, I tried not eating, which was not the same as fasting, but, you know, just starving yourself. Yeah, um, absolutely. But although when I would come home, everyone would be like, I was like, I am dieting. And they were telling me there's no need for it. It's a waste of time. No support. So just, yeah. So it was a lack of support. But in that period of time, I think my motivation and I was always driven to sort of um, not just lose weight, but be optimized. So op being optimized for, you know, my weight, for my height, um, in the way I show up in the world. And now, you know, fast forward all these years, maybe 15 years now, and we understand the, you know, the, the relationship between certain body fat percentages and the way you show up in the world, whether it's, you know, how much you sleep. The, absolutely. The you absolutely. Have. And, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy because, and that's a whole new, uh, world of topics that we can dive into. Yeah. Well, what I want, I want to know from your side is uh, going through that journey. What was 
what was like the biggest like factors for you to change or like if you could some if someone was listening to this right now and they were going through something similar what would be like your hack or what was your motivation or like you know boots on the street realize things that you did that helped you make that transition because what i can kind of knowing a little bit that i know about how the brain and the neural circuits in the brain work yeah it is such a difficult cycle to break right. i mean you can lose all the weight and you can fit in the a lower pant size or yeah. size but your psychology never stops absolutely and, yeah, absolutely so how did you get over it So I think there uh, were there are two things we're talking about right now. First is what encouraged me. So I want to say that I started setting small goals. Um when when we're really overweight like uh, what you must have experienced um the picture seems so far away. Yeah. The ideal picture, right? Because you're just like, "Oh my god, like I've gone so far deep into this and going all the way is going to be so hard." So I started setting smaller goals. I started saying, "All right, I need to look better. I need to take a picture and see that few weeks later i'm 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 improving i'm seeing progress and progress is is so encouraging for all of us but um also not working with quick fixes i think my real game changer was when i started to eat healthy when i started to make the real shift with my food because all those fat diets oh my god they would make you weak and drained god knows you'd go back to those burgers and pizzas and at my favorite craving is sugar by the way so all those cakes you know eventually are are your best friend because you're so tired of of starving yourself so i think when i stopped looking for quick fixes when i started actually eating clean and i started seeing good results and realized it's not that impossible there was no end to that journey it just kept going and it getting better and better and you know you know and i know we never reach the end of that tunnel there's always scope for improvement so from then to now i always have better goals to get get even better but um yeah i think that helped me a lot being more realistic yeah. i mean you know it's a fantastic story and thank you for sharing that uh one thing that stood out is that you mentioned that there is no end to the tunnel yeah and that is something which is highly important that i agree on and i always will tell people that no matter how many goals you set for yourself or no matter where you're looking to get in the next few years don't assume that you are going to be there there because there is no there there exactly there is no there there right 5 years or 10 years ago i thought that there was like i thought i was exactly where i want to be but you're you're spot on there isn't we just keep going one day at a time yeah and you know if you're listening to this and you're i mean it's great we're not talking anything about goal setting or you know how ambitious you should be but knowing that there isn't going to be a there there is allows you to also be very present and alive in the moment itself Absolutely. because most people that at least i would talk to were always you know in this they call it it's funny they call it rat race yeah and yeah you know whether it's in your career or you know in your finances or any of these buckets that you choose in your life yeah but most of the people are like oh it's a rat race and i need to win and i always tell people <laughs> that I know it might be a rat race but the winner of the rat race is also a rat. Yeah. So, true. You know, Lovely, don't yeah. be on a point that you have to be a rat because you're beyond that, you know. Absolutely. You're, you're so Absolutely. try to raise your awareness and you know, be in the moment and just be like you are. 
and see progress, right? A better version of yourself. I just think that that's what's important. It cannot be possible that we can both lose weight at the same speed or that one formula works for all or anybody who says in one month you will lose four kilos and things like that. It's bizarre when, when people say that. It's, so are you saying that all those Instagram commercials <laughs> where people say that, you know, going on keto and vegan and yo-yo... Oh my God. They are I not going to change your life. <laughs> nutritionists who are going to come and catch me later but you know that's the truth because we are all so genetically different and no matter i always have this joke that no matter how much oil i put in my head it's not going to curl like yours and vice versa we're all different so there is no one formula for all of us there is no way that i can eat exactly what you eat so i actually have um, people who see some of my clients on Instagram and say, oh my God, what does she do? Because can you make me do her workout? I'm like, you could do her workout every day of the week and no chance you can look like her because she is genetically constructed differently. You can look better than what you looked yesterday, but if she is your goal, then your goal is all wrong. So it's really important for us to understand. And I mean, I don't blame them. I've been there as well, right? Haven't we all looked at magazines and said, I want to look like her. What does she eat and what does she work out? But unfortunately, that's not even possible. Yeah, that that brings up a very important point. (laughs) That whole understanding of biochemical individuality. Absolutely. You know, guys, if if you're looking at Instagram or wherever you get your information, legit information from, you can think that... You know, if your neighbor has done a certain diet and they've lost a certain amount of kilos or pounds, or, you know, someone in your network has done the same, I mean, try it. It might work for you, but it's not the holy grail saying that it will work for with you for sure, because again, that's a road that you don't want to take. But I really like your idea of uh, taking pictures and comparing yourselves, because I think when we have something, most people would respond to an exterior sort of like uh, realization, whether it's with the picture or, you know, someone with weight sometimes. That also yeah. But again, it depends if you're training, your training uh, can, maybe you gain more muscle, but, you know, it's heavier than... Absolutely. Fat. And as women, you know, we, we our metabolism is such, we have a cycle, you know, we're bloated and we have to own up to those things. I mean, if, if I'm close to my cycle and I'm bloated, that's okay. And if there are certain months, that days of the month that I look better, that's awesome. But it's so hard to reach that. And nobody really talks about those things. Nobody talks about acceptance. Nobody talks about um, owning up to who, how beautiful we are. I'm glad we're getting there slowly and steadily. But um, me growing up was all about size zero and it was like what do you do to get there and it was very tough and I think it was a struggle for all us say women with Indian genetics who are not built to look like that for instance yeah very important point and thank you for sharing that now let's move forward so you were you were a chubby kid <laughs> and you got over these complications or situations I like to call them yeah and we move forward how did you was Pilates the first thing that you jumped onto or did you try some other versions of fitness and, you know, you failed or exceeded so much and you said, you know what, I need something different. So yeah. Pilates came first or something else came first? From a business perspective? Uh, no, from your personal life, like in terms of fitness. Yeah. So in, in terms of fitness, uh, to be fair, I did 
everything that you do when you're a teenager growing up. I've done all the HIIT workouts. I've done all the CrossFits. I've done um, strength training. I've done cardio. I've done all of that and very weak core, but, you know, superficially wanting to work out to achieve your external goals, not not really caring about what your spine is feeling like and what your core is feeling like and are you working your inner mus- muscles that that hold the bones together and all of that. Never understood those things. For superficial uh, reasons and muscles, I worked everything. So, And I started to see results for sure. Not like you can't see results in that. I totally did. Growing older and understanding and growing a little deeper into it is when Pilates came t- into the picture. And then did you just start training Pilates or are you thought, okay, you know what, I've been training Pilates, it looks like a game changer, let me start a business. So now let's move on to the business side. Sure. How did you come up with Pilates Academy? And you, I knew you, you were in your journey, you started a few other uh, studios before. So That's correct. Run us through like your business entrepreneurial side sure. of story. So I've always... Uh, been an entrepreneur coming from an entrepreneur family um i stumbled upon somebody who wanted to open a Pilates studio in dubai so we partnered into a studio called Eton fitness lounge uh moving forward i met chloe and uh she's my phenomenal partner my italian friend and partner and she already had an existing brand Pilates academy so we merged then and now we have two studios our third one's actually opening up which is our pride project for Medcare hospital so we're opening up Pilates academy Medcare is it the one on Sheikh Zayed Road uh, um, there's a Medcare here so yes uh, there's a Medcare here it's not on Sheikh Zayed Road it's the one in Wasal but okay. there's a new one they're opening which is their holistic clinic so Beautiful. it's it's everything besides actual medicine it's it's amazing it's all alternative therapy so we we're actually doing two rooms for them and we will be having Pilates Academy there well, that's good. I mean, that's a very big jump for... Yeah, we're really proud of that. Sort yeah. of the thing, and for you guys as well. And uh, for people who are listening, I was able to see one of Anjali's studios <laughs> in uh, Business Bay. And I really like the vibe going inside. It was full of plants and, you know, these... Yeah, it was just a very good vibe. Thank you. And one thing that was surprising, I mean, I don't want to be ignorant, but like was very surprising to me was when... My entire idea of Pilates, and this comes from me growing up and, you know, being in the fitness first um, gyms and trying out one of their Pilates classes, which was more of mat-based Pilates. Yeah. And that's, and I wouldn't be surprised that a lot of people who are listening to this would also have some sort of an idea of Pilates as being, you know, something for your core and something that has been done with some sort of a balance kind of movement. And honestly... I didn't like it so much when I first I went for two or three classes, yeah. and this is like ten or twenty. Of course, ago. yes. But when I entered your studio, you walked me through two different rooms with like beautiful machines, <laughs> and I yeah. believe you called them Cadillac and Reformer. Reformer. That is correct. So tell us, and if people were listening to this, and you know you're not driving, then you can really Google this up to have like a visual idea of what we're talking about, Cadillac and the Reformer. That's correct. So tell us what is the Cadillac and versus what is the Reformer and, you know, this traditional Pilates, does it exist or am I too outdated? Well, no, it still exists, but yeah, it's progressed a lot since then. So when Pilates actually started by Joseph Pilates, um, he actually, it was a rehabilitation workout for people who were soldiers and it was post-injury that they had on the field. He actually put springs on their bed 
and he tried to give them resistance training to get strong again. So that is the core of Pilates. So yes, it does um, start from there. But moving forward, coming so many years today, um, I want to say that it it can tick any box in terms of goals. So I have people that come to lose weight. I have people that come to get stronger injuries, spine issues, shoulder issues. We can address all the issues while working towards your goals. So that's the beauty of Pilates. The core comes from, like I said, um, resistance training. So because there's a, a concept of changing the resistance around, you're always being challenged. So there's never a person, whether it's you or me, for whom it cannot be hard enough. So the levels are constantly growing and growing. The better you get, the harder it can get in terms of resistance and we can make it harder for you. And it's it based on the concept of, like I said, strength and stretch. So it strengthens your muscles while stretching your tight muscles. So it helps in making you leaner, longer, taller. When we say I... I'm a few inches taller with Pilates. It's because it actually works in pulling your spine a little bit open. It opens up your posture. Your shoulders are starting to look better. And you know what's amazing? I actually have clients who say that in one session. So I actually have somebody who came back to me in one session and said, I don't want to sound crazy, but I'm actually walking better after a session. It's, it's magnanimous in that sense. It actually manages to do that, which is phenomenal. Yeah, I can imagine because of the stretching effect, the whole posterior chain gets Yeah. Stronger reboot in a way because most absolutely we're looking at people who are you know hunched over they're looking at their computer screens our lifestyle right look at our phone and our ipads and our children today who are constantly on a screen and when do you ever hear hold your screen up to your your eye level like it's it's the ideal thing to do but how many people have you ever seen do that right they all have a curled spine and that was not what ideal spine was supposed to look like. So we actually, the, the joke is, and I'm going to put you on that as well. We have this thing called a spine corrector okay. on my studio. So when you come next time, we're going to try it. Yeah. And that's what our natural arch is about. Mm-hmm. And I've almost not met anybody who can get on a spine corrector and feel normal. So we've messed with the natural arch of our spine so much that the natural arch doesn't feel that natural anymore. So it's, it's, yeah, it's pretty amazing when, when you actually get into it to realize what you've moved away from. Um, coming back to Reformer and Cadillac, yeah, they're phenomenal uh, pieces of equipment. Sure. Yeah, there's so much we can do on them. Um, the core remains the same, the strength and, and stretch. So we constantly change the springs around, we have resistance, we, we work every part of the body. So it's not true that um, Pilates only works the core. It teaches us to connect with our muscles. So I've seen a lot of people doing mindless workouts. Pilates is what you call a mindful workout, where you actually understand how to engage your muscles and how to switch them on. And the beauty of that is like I've seen is that I use that same connection when I'm in any other workout, for instance. So when I go to the gym, I, I know now how to switch on my core while I'm doing, say, strength or I'm, I'm lunging or I'm squatting. I keep my core on. I keep my back neutral. So these things are really nice to incorporate so that I have a healthy workout outside of the Pilates room. And you remain injury-free, right? Because Absolutely. Because are coming because of inactivation of core, you know. Absolutely. Of the spine. Absolutely. So when I'm, when I'm imagining now, and I don't want to think about the reformer and the Cadillac because that gives me another idea, but for people who are sort of listening to our conversation and they're thinking, okay, you know, she's made some good points, but doesn't 
does this or in which ways is it different to sort of your traditional yoga training because in yoga as well the emphasis is i mean there is there is another whole energetic emphasis which we don't want to touch spiritual but, yeah. yeah yeah but the but the main point or one of the main points where it gets a differentiation is that it's also looking to stretch various parts of the body including yeah. working the fascia and bringing you if you're doing some sort of like a hatha yoga that Correct. you know it brings you x amount of strength yeah. stability core more connection more mindfulness right. i would say because you know you don't have an option you have to sort of breathe into it yeah. right yeah. so how is pilates different from yoga it's very different so the advantage of yoga for me is purely the spiritual side which does not exist in pilates it's a pure workout so i i i think the the way we breathe and we we find our spiritual connection in yoga is beautiful but pilates as a workout is way more progressive uh we've come a long way in terms of like i said because it's resistance the springs help us a lot so we don't believe in overstretching in pilates so i actually have a lot of unfortunately clients who overstretch in yoga and then they come to work their muscles around to strengthen what what they overstretched So we we always believe in opening up your muscles but we don't believe in stretching overstretching them because that's when you can have a slip or you can have an extra pull and that's how pilates and yoga is very different so it's it's a much more progressive workout than yoga for sure okay so when you're looking at let's say either crossfit or looking at any kind of other strength training modalities uh, or for the average person let's say you know classic gym scenario you go to the gym there is some uh, there is some machines and now you have these racks of weights where you can you know do a bench press or yeah. something <laughs> of 10 reps at 30 kg um, and then next time you come back because if you want to really progress then the uh, the overload principle the progressive overload principle applies so you're yeah. trying to get 32.5 right. and that's how you're measuring your progress of course how does this translate into pilates because you mentioned about spring so yeah. do you have are the springs numbered you have to keep a you know account of what i did today versus what i'm going to do next or is it guided like how does that sort of work well it's very different in that sense it's purely how your body is feeling mm-hmm. so there's a lot of like i said mindfulness in pilates the exercises can keep getting harder so yes it's very uh, an interesting question when you ask when my clients so you know it's never really getting easy so am i really getting better at this i'm like you're getting better but the exercises are getting harder so when you have a right trainer they kind of wean you through it but the real progress is in the beauty of aesthetics uh people come to me saying like i said they're looking better their their core is feeling better their spine is feeling better all you know you're suddenly walking taller you're seeing your shoulders much more open your neck is less stiff all the magic that happens is purely in your body so no there is of course there are springs and we change them so we really don't explain that to the client but it's purely how your body feels okay so if i had to come to a pilates the pilates academy which i recommend everyone go and visit <laughs> it's beautiful and we are in a class let's say i take a reformer class yeah. and i wanted to touch on something later but okay so we're in this reformer class depending on how i feel today uh, the person the instructor who is guiding the session is that 
person going to come around and say, "Oh, CJ, it looks like you can stretch a little bit more. So let me move the spring." Absolutely. That direction. Absolutely, and okay. that's the beauty of Pilates Academy because we only have five reformers. So as a trainer, I have the capacity to actually put CJ in a class, say with Anjali, yeah. uh, where both of us can do the exact same workout, but our levels can be completely different. So that's amazing. But of course, when you go into a, a studio which has twenty-five reformers, you got to take a call on your own. But that's why we truly believe in Pilates Academy to keep it really small because we really see the spine, what the core is doing. Are you engaging it? So we actually can notice whether you've learned to engage your core or not, and I can give you cues on how to work them. I mean, most likely men are stronger on the arms, so I can change the setting for you compared to me and all of that. So yes, the trainer is responsible for those so changes. More attention to detail. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, that's good. What about the Cadillac? What's different? Um, Cadillac actually is different. Well, for people who've never tried it, I would say Reformer first. Yeah. It's uh, more for a beginner. Cadillac has every spring individual for every muscle group. So, for example, my left arm and right arm do not function with one spring. So it's like a barbell versus a dumbbell. Okay. So when I do two dumbbells, it's beautiful because both are learning to work individually, and the weaker one is not getting compensated by the stronger one. And I think that's phenomenal because most of the time, uh, in most workouts, the the stronger one's constantly taking over, and the weaker one's getting weaker and weaker. So really, when you get on that reformer, I can show you, but it's so much harder because. Um, the weaker ones just refuses to cooperate. So we put you on the reformer first. We teach you to have that muscle connection, and then throw you on the Cadillac okay. and see how you're progressing. Okay. Yeah, I think the analogy that you gave, the dumbbell versus the barbell, is brilliant. Like that in a second. Yeah. And I'm sure for everyone else as well. It gave me the right picture of what's yeah. going on. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. That's very helpful, at least for me to understand. Um, so, what is an average session like? How many? Is it like a 20-minute session, a 30-minute session, an hour, or does it depend? How does that work? Well, it's a whole hour. Okay. Um, we start off with warming up the spine. Our most important, so our lower back and our abs are connected. Mm -hmm. They're all, they're trans, trans abs. They're literally into each other, the muscles. So what happens is uh, most people who are suffering from a lower back pain is because their abs are weak. Uh, a lot of time women, because they've had babies and stuff like that, and they've not brought their muscles back to the initial strength that it was, suffer from lower back pain. So what we focus on is to get your spine warm. Um, and then we focus on a complete, there's not a single class in Pilates where you don't work every muscle group. So then we focus on arms and legs, a lot of core, a lot of back. Um, if there are any specific injuries that, that, the client is suffering from, we try to focus on that as well while working towards a goal. So yeah, it's a full hour class. Okay. And is all the sessions, are they designed same or is it like, you know, you go to a gym studio or like a fitness club studio yeah. and then you have, uh, let's say Zumba and one day you're doing like a dance on some other song or yeah. someday you're doing something else. So does it change or is it like, you know, for this one week we are going to like, uh, for example, like I do jiu-jitsu. And uh, in jiu-jitsu, what we nice. have is uh, we, it, the classes are six days a week. And for the first two days, they're focusing on one move from one side. And then the second two days, they're focusing on the other right. move from the other side. So it, it's always dynamic. It changes. Yeah. 
does is Pilates something similar, or you know, you focus on one thing one at one time and then something completely different at the other time? Um, no, it's similar in the sense of the fact that we have a full body workout. Um, when you're in a group class, the the tra- it's the trainer's responsibility to make sure you're challenged. So people with different um, abilities can still be challenged in a group class. Uh, for me, I do private and uh, I feel like I have a bit of an intuitive side. So I always see the energy of the person that comes in. Um, it's important that they actually feel strong that day. And when they do, then we really go and, you know, really push them to the level that they are capable of being. But sometimes I have people that come with a tired energy and things like that. And then I work towards their goals in a much more calmer way. So um, the trainer is extremely important and Pilates is extremely important. I can't say that enough. Um, and, and when they really connect with you, because I have a great relation with all my clients, when they really connect with you, then they can really help you from a spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical level. Okay. And um, when people come into the studio, right, most of, I mean, I can imagine that some people are coming with pain, some people are coming with um, sort of this lack of energy. What do you think is sucking out people's energy? The rat race. I think, yeah, we've all managed to want to, like you said, uh, we're always over challenging ourselves to win some race that I don't know who's winning and where we're going with that. And uh, when we really go into a little bit of a a mindful space, we start to realize there's absolutely no end to that. So, you know, they're always coming exhausted. They're always coming, especially my clients who come at the end of the day they have no energy to work out because their brain has just done so much. And that's when they need me to connect with them spiritually to, you know, give them my energy while they work out, which is pretty special. Oh, that's interesting. So, you know, a person comes for an hour, a class, and what's the ideal duration like per week? Do you do two classes per week or what do you recommend people to do? Or is it like go six days in a week? Yeah. Uh, well, my answer whenever my clients ask me that is say, how many days do you do now? And if it's zero, then even one is great. Um, again, depending on what else you do. So say somebody like yourself who's into strength and all of the other fitness uh, routines, I would say even once a week is great because you're giving that once a week to sort of a rehabilitation to all the other things you're doing. And you're, whatever you learn in your Pilates class, you will incorporate in all your other workouts. But I also believe that in a bigger picture, you got to love what you do. And um, I always tell my clients that. And if they really enjoy what they're doing, then most likely I'm fighting for sessions. So I'm blessed like that. It's always been a situation where they start with one to two to three and they want more. And if I can't give it or whoever can or cannot, but if they really enjoy what they're doing, they love it because it's therapeutic. I think Pilates is not, I mean, you go back with more energy than what you came from. I think one of the biggest, or I would assume one of the biggest reasons for that is the part where you're stretching the spine and stretching all the other muscles. You feel amazing, amazing. You know, there is this thing where we're constantly, even if you're doing some kind of weight training or you're sitting eight hours a day, uh, just getting up for lunch and going back or going up to the toilet, then chances are overall, like there is a systemic tightness to your body. Yeah. And that tightness results in, you know, the muscles and the fascia being super tight. Yes. And what I've seen in new research is that the fascia is 
in a way it sort of produces its own energy. It's called pseudo-electric, which okay. means it can, when stretched properly and hydrated under the right circumstances, which are uh, stretching or movement, uh, oxygen delivery, and the amount of minerals that are there. All of these combined together right. can allow the fascia to make its own energy, which is separate from your body's way of making energy. Absolutely. And if you can tap into that, that is, again, one of those things, I guess, where you have this systemic uh, influence via the vagal tone or the vagal nerve. And, you know, you have all of these neurotransmitters like, you know, dopamine, serotonin, acetylcholine, all Absolutely. of these things are increasing. And, and this is great because this is one reason why I've always been telling people that, you know what, at the end of the day, one thing that you could do for yourself is just, you know, go for a walk for 20 minutes. You don't have to do the fancy things, but make sure at least that you walk for 20 to 30 Movement, minutes. right? The yeah. beauty of movement and mobilizing. Even more than stretching, we believe in mobilizing because our body, when we mobilize it, Oxygen and air, uh, sorry, oxygen and uh, blood circulation happens when you mobilize. So when you've stopped moving a certain part of your body, it realizes your body has a brain of its own. It realizes this area is not moving, doesn't really need too much oxygen and it doesn't really need too much blood. And it just slows down and it slows down. And that's where the tightness creates. The muscle gets tighter, the fascia gets tighter, all of that. But the minute you start moving it, you mobilize each and every muscle from your shoulder to your neck, etc., you'll suddenly start feeling so much better because all you've done is you've literally put oxygen in there and now it's feeling so much nicer, which is why we say as humans, before anything, you just need to move. That's the key of, of actually being healthy. It's sort of like giving them the reason to be alive. Absolutely, right? right? Absolutely. We've forgotten the, how we humans were meant to be. Yeah. So let's go back to this rat race point. And we were talking about like, you know, what stresses people out or what sucks people's energy. In your personal life, what is, tell me one thing that sucks your energy and tell me one thing that, or like, you know, yeah, sucks your energy and one thing that you do to kind of like get your energy back. I mean, you can say Pilates, but I would appreciate something else. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, what sucks my energy? That's a really good question. I think I've reached a very, very good space in my life now to uh, um, maintain a lot of mental stability, maintain a little bubble of my own where exterior is not affecting my interior so much. So it's, it's hard to put my finger on that right now. But what I do for that is, yes, I follow meditation. I, I love teaching. Uh, I love what I do. It's absolutely gives me so much happiness. So um, I, I, I believe that I share my energy with all my clients. And because I'm in a good space, I end up giving them a little bit of that as well, which is great. And that's uh, so it's, it's a good space to be in. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is meditation and doing something that you love. Yeah, that's true. Now, when we look across the board, which I hope it changes in the coming years, two things that people kind of avoid most of their life is meditation because, again, it's so difficult. How do you stay still? Yeah. You cannot do all and it's things. actually the easiest thing to do, right? Yeah, you like, have to be, right? Yeah. But this is something that is very challenging for people. Yeah. The second thing is most people will, the ideal thing to do is to do something that you love but we're all caught up in doing things which we don't love, which yeah. again decreases our life satisfaction, Absolutely. the way of being, the yeah. way of showing up. So if you had to sort of dissect this individually, yeah. so one is meditation. If a person doesn't like doing meditation for whatever reason, what would be that 
one sort of tip that you can give from your you know years of experience in nutrition yeah. that would help them and something that you know how could you encourage especially a lot of the people that might be hearing this are like gen z the younger people yeah. who might find a disconnect because you know economics is telling them do this because yeah. you're, you can be a banker and a marketer and an absolutely but then their real love is to maybe teach or you know pick up a brush and paint something yeah. that doesn't really give them the kind of status to you know be accepted right and again this goes full circle back to acceptance and things so give me your hand um so i think cj that has changed um i have two kids my son's 18 and my daughter's 11 and i think that them growing up we really try to tap into what they're good at and try to base their career out of what they actually enjoy so the generation of say when we were kids um it was very like cliche um career options or what actually rakes a lot of money and which are the popular ones but i think the beauty of mindfulness that many of maybe our parents or us or whatever have have incorporated into our lives today we're very understanding of them being happy and happiness is connected to doing what you love so when i talk to my 11 year old daughter about what she wants to be it's always about what she's passionate with doing so i think that's a great space for them they're lucky with that um so that's the first one um because you're going to be amazing at what you do and there's there's no one more than me who can say that because i never feel like i go to work i never feel like it's it's a deadline i never feel like i'm struggling of course there are some days that i don't have enough energy to go and teach but because i love it so much the minute i reach the studio my mindset has changed i'm happy to see that person i'm happy to give her energy that i probably don't even have at that time to give so if you really love what you do then it's never hard um which is exactly the same i said about working out because don't do anything that you don't enjoy it's great to move there are so many millions of options to move um you should do what you love you should do what you enjoy doing because your body will actually show results when you're in a happy space um when i push you your body goes stiff and it holds on when i relax it actually lets go so that's the same with fat that's the same with stress right we got the more we relax and we are in a happy space we will let go we'll see results mentally we'll see results physically as well and i i saw that like uh, in a major way in in myself also so that's um from what we love to do coming to meditation i think again the the concept of breaking it down you don't have to sit for like 30 minutes to start it's so hard because we have so many voices in our head firstly the acceptance of the of the voices they're going to be there we have a brain it says so much but it's really amazing to be honest that when i started getting into meditation i really wanted to hear my inner voices because i'm so busy on my daily life i really don't know what my inner mind is saying yeah. you know it's it's actually sending me signals like i'm tired or you know i need a break or i'm you know i can't do that thing i promised to do anymore or whatever it tells you all of that you know i don't like this diet or i'm so hungry or you know i ate too much all those things your inner voice will tell you but do we listen to them no we we shut it away we close that door we put it away and we want to listen to everything else around us that apparently motivates us to achieve more grow whatever uh, the world is telling us to do so initially my excitement was to listen to my inner voice and then further from that it it start i started to realize i could just 
still it a little bit and that calm and peace was a great way to either end the day or start the day. Okay, that's, that's fair. Thank you for sharing that. I have a small tip for anyone who wants to start getting into the space of meditation. Uh, one thing which we have in common or the, where we align is you don't have to sit for a longer time. Yeah. You know, start off with like five minutes. Absolutely, at yeah. Least. <laughs> the other thing is the whole goal with meditation is to lower down brain activity. Because now when me and Anjali and you guys are listening to us, we're talking, we're into this phase of hyperactive beta, which is about sure. 14 to 15 hertz of our brainwave cycle. These are calculated by EEG. The, the goal with meditation is to lower down your brainwave state to a more alpha state, which is around nine to 10 hertz. So when you reverse engineer this, and you look at it from at least a biohacker's point, we look at, okay, if the, if the goal to get to a state where, you know, it's calm and quiet and, you know, not so many thoughts running in my head and I'm sort of in, you know, I can be in touch with this interior self that is, you know, giving me some cues. I've got to get to 10 hertz. One trick that I have found is that because your eyes are closed, you, most of us are always interpreting signals from, you know, different parts of the environment. So now you're sitting down, chances are you're not touching anything, so your eyes are closed, so your vision and your touch is gone. Two things that will still be in the environment, I prefer to keep lights off if you, or put an eye mask, this helps, so again, the light part of it is gone. The next two are the most important. One is sound. If you could, and people who are listening to this, they can search for a free version on you know, YouTube, Look for binaural beats. Okay. And binaural beats is the sound which is designed by science. And there are many versions to it. The most simplest version is binaural beats. And what happens actually is that there's you put a headphone on, I always recommended with headphones, and in your left ear, there is a sound frequency of, you know, it could be of nature or something else, something very common, but let's say of 510 hertz. But on your right here, the frequency is about 500 hertz. Wow. And what happens is your brain, because of the difference of frequency, it cancels out the base frequency, which is 500 hertz, and then it tunes to the frequency that's left, which is 10 hertz. Wow. So what you can do is, and you know, you can try it out if you're not driving. Definitely. Put some, put some headphones on, close your eyes, switch off the lights, so you cut out those environmental inputs, and then play some binaural beats with like 10 hertz. And naturally, if you're a part of a big uh, community prayers or, you know, people are chanting OM or something like this, your body automatically resonates and goes to the meditation frequency. But if you wanted to do it with tech, this is one thing. Second thing is, which we, you know, we forgot to do before the podcast, is scent or smell. Because in your nose, you have these olfactory receptors, and these receptors can take you to a place or an emotion back in time. All you have to do is to use blends of certain essential oils, which will naturally calm down your nervous system. For sure. And For sure. get you into this place of either relaxation. Serenity, yeah, agreed. So this is a, a trick. Try it. Lovely. I'm going to try it too. I mean, the pre-meditation, I'm going to burn a nice candle or something and see yeah. how different that makes me feel. So, yeah, so this is um, uh, so this is one trick. But, okay, so moving on. How do you, I, you know, you've got 
beautiful energy that you, you know, I'll, I've met you at the, uh, met you at the Pilates studio. Thank you. you have beautiful energy there. You've got beautiful energy on the show. And you're mother of two, which I didn't know before. <laughs> One is 18-year-old. How do you sort of manage to be a Pilates instructor and an entrepreneur, which is growing and expanding, bringing so much of, you know, you're teaching all the time, and you have two kids. So yeah. how are you managing all these? Because all of these are like, you know, that individually is yeah. a big stress in people's life. And that sort of sucks people's energy. But how are you managing to do all of these things? Like, have you learned some really cool tips on parenting? Or like, <laughs> what's going on? What's the, what's the secret? So, I don't find any of them stressful. Let's just start with that. They're all beautiful things to do. I love being a mother. My kids and me are great friends. They're amazing kids. They are super supportive. They're really really we have each other's back my son and me are friends he's 18 so obviously he doesn't need anything more than a friend right now so we're yeah, make- look, look like that for sure yeah, well, thank you, you <laughs> thank you yeah but like it's i don't find anything you said stressful what mm-hmm. i think people need to just step back mm-hmm. and own up to how beautiful certain things can be mm-hmm. and it's uh one step at a time. I've never seen it as hard. I love all of it. I love being a parent. I have a great um, time with my husband. We, you know, we do stuff together. We have friends in common. We spend the weekends out. I love my work. Um, there's so much going on. I have a new studio opening in Mumbai, which I'm trying to juggle right now. Yeah, yeah, thank you. So that's that's happening. There's training happening. There's teaching happening. There's a device studio. So yeah, there's there's plenty and more. But because I enjoy every moment of it, it doesn't feel stressful at all to me. I made time to come here. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, uh, <laughs> that's powerful. Thank you. Because, you know, you don't take it as stress, but like when you look at mass amount of people which we're sort of trying to address at this point most of them would complain about of you know my kids giving me a hard time and work is busy and i'm maybe starting multiple studios in different countries and that's again but you know everything you said are all positives yes but we have a tendency to see good things as a as a negative why do we have that i I don't know where we've learned. Maybe we're trying to be somebody else. Maybe we're trying to live up to somebody else's expectations. I just set my own. I think that's really important because if if as a mother, I insisted to spend four hours of the day with my child and I couldn't do it, it would create stress. If I had to give six hours of my day to work, which I couldn't, it would create stress. If there are certain ballparks that I'm setting that I can't reach in terms of goal, it creates stress. But if I just do the best I can in terms of eating clean, in terms of meditating, and today if I can't meditate, that's okay too. And today if I can't make it to spend time with my child because I was busy at work, I will make it up to them the next day. And if we just go with that mantra, I think it's all pretty easy and beautiful. So what I'm noticing is there is a very big element of self-compassion in your life. Yeah. And that self-compassion is very powerful. I think that's drawing out a lot of energy and giving it to you so you can, you know, show up as the best version of yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's, that's really good. Now tell me, what are your tips for any young entrepreneurs who are 
watching this because you're, I mean, with this studio in Mumbai, congratulations. Thank but you. you're doing so many things at the same time. And yeah, what's what's the, what's the, yeah, so I'm trying to find the right <laughs> word, but the, yeah, what's the best tips for people in Mantra. 2022? Secret. Well, I wish there was. I just want to say that there isn't. Um, I've had massive, massive falls. I've had massive tough days. I've almost, I won't use the word depression, but I've gone through some really hard times. And there's only one thing that kept me going, the resilience. Like I want, I had the strength to want to make it forward. Giving up was just not on my on my cards at that point. And I'm so thankful for it because thanks to all the support and love that comes from my family, giving up was, was seemed like an easier option, you know, at that time when you can actually say it's so much easier to just step back and shut it down and go home and go to bed. It's, it's so easy sometimes to choose that route. But um, yeah, I think that there, one day at a time, one step at a time, let's break it down. Let's see what's the next step that we can do tomorrow to make it better. And I actually had a mentor uh, back in the day and I, I'm a part of EO, which is the entrepreneur organization. Um, back in the day, I used to be an EO accelerator where I was learning to, to grow. Um, and I had a mentor back in the day who used to say, your problems are too many. Let's break it up, break it down. And one step at a time, we actually used to break it down and say which one needs to be solved first. And we worked one step at a time and things have really, really looked up since then. Okay, so the, so the way or the approach is to be persistent. Yeah. To have the confidence in yourself, have the self-compassion yeah. and have the drive. Yeah. I would, I would synthesize this for all the listeners. And as well, something really important you said right at the end is not at getting your destination straight away, but taking smaller steps, like yeah. you said in the beginning as well, like making those smaller goals or targets or winning yeah. those smaller wins. And that's extremely important because, you know, you don't, you've got to like take this approach where you take things from moment to moment to moment because our brain is, you know, extremely powerful, but it also is, it, it becomes a bit of a liability in time. Absolutely. When, looking too much ahead in the when it's too far away and too hard to yeah. reach, then you'd rather just shut down. Yeah. The same goes with weight. The same goes with your business, right? We're all eventually in the same path of trying to succeed. So when we break it down, each step, and when you award yourself for every tiny success that you have, whether it's through fitness or your entrepreneur side, all it needs is resilience. All it needs is to be, have a strong mind, to work away from the weaknesses, whether the weakness is a piece of cake or it's a failure at business. We just have to keep going. Consistency is key. Okay, so consistency and do these micro wins every time. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're coming to the end of the podcast. And my question to you, my final question to you is, if you had a time machine, and if, let's say hypothetically, you had a time machine and you could go back in your time and go back in time to your younger self, you can choose your age, um, and you would like to give yourself a piece of advice. Now, buying Bitcoin early is a great advice. <laughs> we're thinking about something else. Okay, thanks for setting that straight. Yeah, uh, yeah because I've had people who are like, oh, buy Bitcoin. I'm like, mm, yeah, but okay. So apart from buying a Bitcoin, apart from that, what would be knowing? All that you know right now, if you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that be? 
own up to who you are. We're all different. We're all built out of a different fabric and we really need to be the best version of ourselves. I say that to my daughter all the time. I teach her to be clean. I teach her to be healthy. I teach her to be strong. I teach her to be resilient, um, powerful and all those things. But I teach her to be comfortable in her skin. Um, I was not taught that when I was a child, uh, no disrespect, but we probably didn't know better back in the day. So I think if you're very, very comfortable in your skin, then all the other things follow. Okay, that's a great piece of advice. So guys, listen, you've got <laughs> to be yourself and take ownership and responsibility Absolutely. of what you have and enjoy life. That's it. It's pretty simple. It's, it's not, pretty not simple. That, yeah. yeah. It's not that complicated. Just find joy and happiness in whatever you do because that's true. the natural state of being. That's and true. And if you're not facing that, then there's something wrong. So, Anjali, thank you so much. Thank you. So much to learn from you too. Thank you for all that you shared. And I'm going to go back and practice it okay. as well. Thank you. And thank you for all the great things you've been doing. All the you. You know, healing, knowledge, wisdom fitness, better pictures you want to <laughs> you know, the world. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Pleasure is mine. This is me, CJ, signing out from the Shift with CJ podcast. Today I'm with Anjali, and after this podcast is released, I really encourage you guys to go to the Pilates Academy. Don't be like Thank me, I'm a performer and cabaret. See ya. Bye. Your time and presence with us through this podcast is highly appreciated. If you want to learn more, then head over to our website, www.shiftwithcj.com.